Now he leads you, bef- uh, uh, he, he leads you beside still waters that is for my sake. So that I'm refreshed, replenished, recalibrated, right heart, right spirit. But then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me before, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. I want to say, is your cup running over or is your cup, you're kind of scooping from the barrel of the cup? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David was talking about, David wrote the psalm. What David is talking about, he's acknowledging, he's recognizing that it is better for God to lead him than him leading his own life. What David is acknowledging is it is God's plans are far more greater than his own plans. What David is acknowledging is, I am so glad that God led me. Now David is writing this psalm uh, after he became a king. And so he's sort of reflecting a little bit. You know, he's sort of reflecting a little bit about, man, goodness me, God led me through my ups and downs. God led me through valleys. God led me through, through my troubles. God led me. He prepared a way for me in the midst of my enemies. And so he's penning it down and he's saying, God is not just my savior. God is not just my healer. God is my shepherd. Lot of us know God as a savior. Now what does a savior do? A savior saves us from trouble. Lot of Christians uh, see Jesus just as a savior. And so what happens is, oh God saved me. But then we go ahead and do live life the way we want to live. And then we need rescuing, rescuing again. And like, oh my gosh, how did I come to this? Lord help me, I've committed a sin. And then from there we carry on to our own thing and we come here and go, oh no, I need my Savior again. He is your Savior. He is your healer, but He is also your shepherd. Now David recognized God, the Yahweh God, as his shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads. Now often we don't let God lead us. We can pray, God lead me, God do this. But when actually rubber hits the road, we want to do our own thing. Are you following me? We got to have Jesus as our shepherd. What's the role of a shepherd? It is to lead his sheep. He's sitting reflecting all these things. He's saying... As I was my father's shepherd, God is my shepherd. Even though he's a king, he's not forgetting where he came from. So he's spending it down, saying the Lord is my shepherd. 
And, and and what he's also saying is that he if it if it was not God's leading he wouldn't have come where he is today. And he's also recognizing it's not a strategic plan that got him there. Today we say what's your strategic plan? What what's your what's your what's your goals? It's not his vision board, it's not his strategic plans, it's not his goals that got him there. It is God, the shepherd that brought him there. Because you can do whatever you want to do, but only God brings increase. Only God brings us to a place where God wants us to be. You can have all these plans. I was preaching in India. Two weeks, I did seven times. I preached in two weekends. It was exhausting. It was fun. But I was telling them, they, they, they want to just get their post-graduation, get out of India, go to, first is America, next is Canada, the third is UK, then fourth is fifth is New Zealand. They, they, they want to get out of the country. Uh, and so they have plans. But I'm saying that God, let God lead you instead of you leading yourself. David was saying, my shepherd brought me where I am today. My shepherd, God, brought me and put me as a place as a king of Israel. A God who is a shepherd. Now God is sovereign. That's what David's saying. He's a sovereign God. He is an amazing God. God who is in control. Can I encourage you that if you can understand the character of God, then you will understand the placements of God. Then we don't have to strive. We don't have to labor. We don't have, I mean we have to work, yes. You know, we have to do hard work. Yeah, but what I'm talking talking about is we don't have to build our own house. The Bible is so clear in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor is in vain. So my encouragement to you is get to know God as a shepherd. Let him lead you, let him guide you, and let him, let him take you through the journey of life. Hello. See, the children of Israel, I'm going to talk about David a little bit more here. And I'm jumping out of Psalm 23 and talking about David's life. Because David's penning it down and he's saying, wow, look what God's done. Wow, I was, I was right there, insignificant. But look where God's put me now. And so if you look at actually the whole Israel you know, the Israelites, they were being led by God as the father. But Israelites were looking around to see what's happening in the world. And they started crying out to God saying, look, my neighboring kingdom is led by kings and judges. And uh, so they cried out for a king. They didn't want a God as a father leading them. I'm talking about Israel. But they cried out for a king. It was never God's plan to appoint a king because he was leading them. I'm talking from 1 Samuel chapter 15 to 17 now. Okay, we don't have time to read these three chapters, but that's exactly what happened. And so God allowed Saul to be the king. Now Saul, again an amazing guy, he goes about looking for his donkeys and Samuel anoints Saul to be the king. Now Saul was great. He looked amazing. He had all the qualities. 
But Saul also had a quality where he didn't really fully listen to God. He, when he uh, when, was supposed to go out to fight, he went and fought and he also collected things that he was not supposed to collect. And Samuel confronts Saul and said, why did you do this? And Saul thought he knew better than God. His intentions were right, but he didn't obey God. And so what God does is basically put Saul aside. Saul acts and behaves as though he knew better than God. And in the process, he disobeys God's instructions. And Saul's primary issue was arrogance. God can't work with people who are arrogant. God can't work with people who disobey God. If you think you know better than God, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going on a wrong direction. Wow, it's quiet. Only Merv said amen. You have to let God lead you. Don't fool yourself and don't come into arrogance where you think you know about your life better than the one that created you. And that's what Saul did. And so God can't work with people that are arrogant. God can't work with people that disobey Him. And on the other hand, then you have David and God, even though God wasn't looking for perfect people, David was so not perfect. But God was looking if he can trust David. Yes, David sinned, but God forgave David because he asked for forgiveness. Saul never asked for forgiveness. He said sorry because he was caught. But David repented wholeheartedly. And that's why Saul lost the kingdom and David got the kingdom. Why? Saul's sin is actually far more smaller compared to worldly standards. Small Saul's sin was smaller compared to what David did. David lusted after a woman. Refreshing you the story. He lusted, lusted after a woman. And he sent her husband to fight. And organized someone to kill her husband Uriah. So he can sleep with Bathsheba. Now this could be an adulterated movie. What a sinful nature. But when Nathan comes to David and said, David, what you did is wrong. Instead of fighting Nathan, what did he do? He said, I am sorry, God. And because he said sorry, there was no ounce of arrogance in David. David wasn't worried about justifying his behavior. Oh, you know what happened? I was very tired and I accidentally looked upon her while she was taking a shower. And I I didn't even know. She led me to sin. She should have pulled the curtains. All the men are enjoying this. Now why I'm going there is because you've got to understand when Samuel, after Saul commits his sin. Why? Because he was arrogant. And so God says, Samuel, sorry, Saul, thank you. He goes to David. And Samuel God instructs Samuel, he said, now Samuel, take your ram's horn, put it with oil, now go and anoint a future king of Israel. So he goes to Jesse's house. Think about this, he goes to Jesse's house. And then Jesse goes, hello Samuel. They were actually scared when they saw Samuel there. 
And then Samuel says to Jesse, you know, have you got any sons? He said, yes, sir, yes, sir. Bag full, sir. He had eight sons. Jesse was busy. He had eight sons. Now, Samuel goes, great. So he looks at Eliab, the oldest son. Eliab walks with his six-pack, his ripped jeans, he is tight, he is muscly, he's got a beard, he's got a good hairstyle, and he's got the, all the branded jeans and shoes, and he walks in, and surely he is the one. But Samuel was wrong. After Eliab comes, it's, it's um, Abinadab. And after Abinadab, it's uh, Shammah. After Shammah, number four, number five, number six, number seven. Seven children come, but none of them were appointed as a king. And then he says, have you got any other children? Because you see, the seer, Samuel was known as a seer. The seer needed help to see properly. So he said, have you got any other children? And he said, oh yeah, 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 there's another one that's out on the field tending some sheep. And he said, bring him. And so when he comes and, uh, and when Samuel goes to anoint him, the oil in the ram flows. Now some studies say, it's not in the Bible, but the study, some studies say the oil in the ram's horn did not flow for the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But the eighth one, when he came, the oil flowed. And that talks about what I was thinking. It doesn't matter who comes before you, who comes and tries to prove themselves amazing and all that. If God has set a plan for you, God will bring it to pass. You just have to obey Christ. You don't have to push through. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to prove your point. You don't have to uh, perform so you're accepted. No, you just have to follow Christ. And if God has appointed you, you come through and the doors will open for you at the right time. So David's thinking on all this when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He led. God found David. Jesse did not know he had a king in the house. But when David came under, the oil flowed. And all of a sudden, Jesse, sorry, David finds out his ability and responsibility. David had a shepherd's responsibility with the king's anointing on him now. God anointed David as a king. And so now what happens? All of a sudden the spirit of the Lord left Saul. And then the spirit of God allowed an evil spirit to come upon Saul. Now Saul was tormented. He needed a worship leader. I'm taking you through some steps today when I say, let the Lord lead you. I'm talking to us today. We are growing up as a generation. We want to know everything in detail. We want to know exactly where we're going. We need to know how exactly that looks like. What's the temperature? What's the food like? Are there mosquitoes? Are there cockroaches? Get some shots. Get insurance. All those things are important. But I'm telling you, his ways are higher than your ways. So Saul got tormented. So they found 
David, of all people in Israel, they found David the musician. David is come. David comes into Saul's presence. David plays. The evil spirit leaves. And so after that, cutting the story short, now fast forwarding it. Now Saul loves David and found favor. David found favor in the sight of Saul. And then of course, all of a sudden they see Goliath now. And what was David doing in the battlefield? Not to fight. He went there to take lunch to his brothers. David didn't look for titles. He was obedient where God has placed him. Are you following me? If you let the shepherd lead you, he knows far more better about your life than yourself. Let God lead you. So David goes and he says, what's the language you guys speaking? Oh, this big, big giant. Who cares? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. We can kill him. And he kills him. So David is penning all this down. And imagine David is sitting there and thinking, wow. If Saul didn't sin, Saul, Samuel wouldn't have come looking for me. If my father didn't call me from the field, Samuel wouldn't have anointed me. And if Samuel didn't anoint me, I wouldn't have become a king. And if Samuel wouldn't anoint me, I wouldn't have gone into Saul's palace. I wouldn't have gone played worship music for Saul. I wouldn't have gone taken food for my brothers. I wouldn't have gone killing Goliath. I wouldn't have gone becoming a king one day. He will lead you. His promises are yea and amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, it says, man plans many, but it's God's plans that prevail. Why I'm saying this is, look at this. If the Lord is leaving you, leading you, not leaving you, he better not leave you. If the Lord is leading you, you walk with peace in your heart. You have a great assurance in your heart that all is well with my soul. If God is leading me, I am assured of this one thing that I am not worried what happens outside me, but I am anchored to the one who is inside me. Are you with me? So we don't succumb to anxiety. Monday to Saturday, we walk and talk like we don't know Jesus. We chase after money. We chase after anxiety. We chase after depression. We chase after fear. We chase after uh, people's assurance. We chase after titles. We chase after uh, the looks. We chase after the world. We follow the worldly pattern. Even though we can quote the scripture, we don't live the scripture. Why? Because our focus is so much on the worldly things. But if your focus is on Christ, the shepherd who is leading you, it doesn't matter what's happening around you, you can be 
be who Christ wants you to be. And there is a perfect peace in your spirit. And when there is a perfect peace in your spirit, your relationship with people will be peaceful. So my question to you to this morning is, are you at peace with yourself, with your heart? And are you at peace with people that you live life with or do life with? Is your heart at peace with God? Don't give me your plastic smiles. I am least bothered about how much you know about Jesus Christ. Don't quote your scriptures to me. Your life tells me whether you're at peace or not. Your life, you you will see me and tell me whether my life is at peace or not. And I got to say, for him to lead us, we if we want... God to lead us, we got to learn to say hello to our future and say goodbye to our past. You got to learn to say hello to your future and say goodbye to your past. You can't repeat your past. Oh, you know, when I was a child, my, I was a soul, raised in a solo family, solo parent and all that. Yes, 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 but God has chosen you, but God is leading you. So in order to enter into a new season that Pastor Kara was talking about, we got to say hello to the new things by saying goodbye to the old things. How far we go or how high we go and how fruitful we want to be is dependent on how deep and how anchored we are to him, how obedient we are to him and his scriptures and how deep is our trust in him. Are we trusting God? I want to read that again. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. You with me? For us, our heart is troubled. As soon as our heart is troubled, verbal diarrhea. Oh no, everything's happening wrong. You know, he did this. She made me wait. She looked at me. Chili, too much chili in the curry. My stomach is upset. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Ruth, you got to know that this is the world. It's a horrible place to live in. you got to make sure you got four children. Look after them. Control them. Keep them. Oh, don't listen to what they're saying. You have to. You, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's not you. It is Christ in you who is the hope of glory. I'm not doing my three points that I do usually. I'm just taking through a story and trying to help you to understand that if you trust Jesus every step of the way, he will come and rescue you. He will come and lead you. Your foot will not slip. He will not let you fail. He will not let you be disappointed. He will not put you to 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 a place where you are embarrassed. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But you have to let God lead you. You got to God let let God lead you in your marriage. You got to let God lead you in your relationships. You got to let God lead you in your business. Don't go thinking, look what I did. It's got nothing to do with what you did. If Christ's favor is not on you, and if Christ's favor is on you, you better be thankful to God. Why do we have to compare with Indians to realize that our life is better than others? 
I can say that because I'm Indian. You can't say it. Oh, oh man, life is so much better. For one year we're complaining. I don't have all oh, the traffic in Auckland. Oh, the train doesn't come on time. I have to wait at my doctor's. Oh, there are my operation. You're having a free operation. Stop complaining. Can I say that? Let us be people who are full of thanksgiving. Man, when you're thanksgiving, your heart is thankful to God. You are so alive. You are not so miserable. It's good to be full of thanksgiving. Why? God, you are so good. Can I just tell a story? Last week I talked about that one pastor in India and I said that a container... Not a makeup container, or actually a container, freight container, thank you. That container fell on a guy who was crossed under the container and he broke his ribs. I have no clue how he's still alive. But isn't God good? Last week when I said it, everyone was like, But if your focus is in God, if you're full of God and thanksgiving to God, you will recognize Christ's goodness. Wow! We are not wowed because... I've got another wow there. That's good. Somebody is listening to me. Please bring them every Sunday. And don't send them to children's church. I've got someone who's agreeing with me. And I'm saying, we didn't go, wow. (laughs) Thank you. So it's catchy. We didn't go, wow, because guess what? We're not so busy thinking about God's goodness. We're only worried about our own little life. Come on. So, How high, how far we want to go, it's anchored in God and trusting in Him. We have to master to let go of our lives in order to save it. We have to master to let go of our control. Saying, God, I don't want to control my life, I'll let you control my life. That's where it is. You want to control your life, you want to control your finances, you want to control your kids, like you taser them, you want to control you know, your boss, you want to control your employees, you want to control, 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 control. You are not the one to control. Let God control you. For He knows you more than you know yourself. Yes, He gave you wisdom. Yes, He gave you understanding. Don't give me that. I know what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is, let God control your life. Give God the control. I give my life to Him. I gave my marriage to Him. I, it's, do you know, it's hard for me to let go of my children and give them to God. I fight that regularly. I said, oh God, i got to be a good father. And He keeps reminding me, but I gave them to you. Three kids. I bless them. Leave them to me. I know what I'm doing in their lives through you. So you got to master Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. What? Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Allow Jesus to lead you. Hallelujah. Allow God to lead you. 
And what he's really saying is, I wrote it down, you know, in, in, in other words, God is saying, you may not be seeing incorrectly, but you are seeing incompletely. You know, when you're looking at your plan, you're not looking at it incorrectly, but incompletely, because God doesn't reveal everything to us. We have to be faithful one step at a time. You know, you may have a glimpse, but you don't have a full picture of what he wants to do in your life. I don't have a glimpse. You know, these five pastors that we want to support in India, I had so many people come and tell me, oh, you better watch out. You know, you don't want to be careful with the money, how you spend and all that. Not even single can I put my hand on my heart here and say that not a single one said, that is wonderful that you're trying to bless somebody who you have no relationship with. They're all coming, oh, you better be careful, you better do this, make sure you account everything. It's good to have wisdom, but where is our generosity? Where is our saying, come on, let's bless people? You know, do we have to bless them in order to get something out of them? You know, where we sit determines what we see, and what we see determines what we do. Could it be that we don't see what God is seeing because you are not sitting where God is asking you to sit? We see the hill, but he sees over the hill. We see today, but he sees tomorrow and beyond. So in order for us to trust God, we got to let go of control over our lives. Now don't become lazy and say, I've let God control my life. That's pure laziness. Okay? Don't become lazy and go, I've given everything to God. No, 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 no. If you give everything to God, God wants you to work. True? I'm not looking at any teenagers here. He wants to be our shepherd. Not just our savior, not just our healer, not just our provider, not just your ATM. He wants to be your guide. See, when you control, what you can control is your decisions, but you can't control the outcome. Hello? I can control the decisions that my wife and I make over my children. I can control the decisions I make between my marriage. But I can't control the outcome. Only God can control the outcome. I can control my behavior. But I can't control your behavior. I can control what I can input. But I can't control what the output will be. And so problem is the reason why we come under anxiety, we come under, we walk like we don't even know Jesus when he lives in us. He is the hope, he is a good father, our hearts have to be full. We can't have our hearts full because we are taking the responsibility that is actually of God and not our own. It is him who has to lead us to green pastures, not ourselves. It is him who has to lead us where he wants us to go. But we want to live our life a certain way. We're working 20 hours out of 24 hours. We're striving. We're working hard. But for what purpose?
And so we need the real faith. One thing we have is the real faith that says, I not, I not only trust God to forgive my past, to provide and to protect me in my present, but I also trust God with my future. I want to ask you, do you trust God with your future? Let's be real. Do you trust God with your future? If you trust God with your future, then anxiety has no room in your life. So four points, and I'll get the worship team. God is my shepherd. I am trusting him with my path. We must not just trust God where he's taking us, but also trust God in the path and the direction he's taking us through. Did you hear that? We must not just trust God where he's taking us, but also trust him in the path and the direction he's taking us through. Because as soon as we hit some adversity, we go, oh, that's not God. No, God's leading you through the valley. But he's taking you somewhere. Don't just trust God in your destination. Trust God in your journey. I find it very amusing. We work so hard Monday to Saturday. We, with great difficulty, come to church because it's a duty and then we fall asleep. Because we're so tired. I'm not condemning, picking on anyone, but I want to be honest with you. And I'm saying, if your faith is not alive in Christ, if your faith is not full of life, then you're really missing out on the relationship with your Heavenly Father. He is your shepherd. He wants to lead you and guide you. Number two, I have to trust him in my pit stops. Makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, it's good to go on a holiday. It's good to go for a walk. It's good to, don't always work, work, work. Enjoy life. Recalibrate, sit under the tree. Have a Coke. If you're too healthy, give it to someone else. (laughs) Taking a rest is not selfishness, it's self-care. That ministered to me. I need to take rest. Number three, I need to trust his pace. The shepherd sets the pace for his sheep. It's not an impressive pace that he's looking for but an impactful pace. What did you do today? Like yesterday, Dan? Oh, I woke up at 5 a.m. I spent one hour with Jesus. But 6 o'clock, 6.15, I was at work. I worked till 9 p.m. Then I came back home, cooked for my lovely wife. And I fed her some bacon. And then I prayed with her. And then 10 o'clock, I prayed with Jesus. Wow, that's impressive. God is not interested in our impressive pace of life. He's interested in our impactful pace. Are we impacting with our life? You might be busy, 
But is your busyness actually building the kingdom? Last one. I can trust that I have his protection. His rod and staff, they comfort me. Isn't that wonderful? I trust God, he'll protect me. I can look back my own life and I can say, my goodness, I thank God. I can say thank God now that when I was 16 to 21, I dated a girl. We've never, ever had sex. I'm telling you, we did it. I'm glad she dumped me. If she didn't dump me, I wouldn't have come here. I wouldn't have studied here. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have come back here to serve God. I wouldn't have gone to Tauranga. I wouldn't have gone to Christchurch. I wouldn't have come to Auckland. I look back the last 18 years of my life and I'm going, wow. Yes, there were tears. Yes, there was hardship. There was living, pure living on in faith. Many of you know I came here with what, 40 bucks in my pocket to live here. That's about it. But God provided. I allowed God to lead me. And my prayer is that God will continue to lead me, my wife and my children. I don't know where God is taking me, but I'm excited that he's leading me. For his plans are higher than my plans. So I can plan whatever, but his plans will be established. You cannot fulfill purpose if you're fighting God on the route that he's taking you on. You cannot fulfill God's purpose in your life if you're fighting God on the journey that he's put you on. If God's asking you to say sorry to someone, go say sorry to that person. If God is asking you to humble yourself, humble yourself. So that he can lift you up. If God's asking you to soften your heart towards someone, please soften your heart. Don't fight God on the journey he's taking you and expect the destiny or the destination will be amazing. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. For though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, as we take communion this morning, can I ask the just to please pass out communion? As we take communion, could you talk to your shepherd and say, God, lead me 
guide me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Can I just say going to Hawaii won't comfort you? Moving from one country to another won't comfort you? Buying new furniture furniture in the house won't comfort you? Going and eating that steak won't comfort you, although it will a little bit. But I'm talking about that comfort. Only your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 